E-S-N-Y. Today is the 21st. And we have an advertisement. (gasps) It's exciting. I know. Wow. Very exciting. We have an advertisement that I get to read. So this is, ooh, we haven't had one in a while since our last advertisement was pulled because a certain gambling company uh, did some pretty shady shit. So we no longer advertised with them. (laughs) But... (laughs) All right, so this is for Rivercrest NYC. It's a new bar in Astoria, Queens. It's fantastic. They have like 100 TVs. I watched the ALCS game one against Houston there. The whole I, sh- I probably shouldn't say this because it's a bar in Queens. The whole place was packed with Yankee fans. Everybody was going nuts. And it, it was great, great atmosphere. They have trivia. They have great food. They have at least 30 beers that I tried at least. But, I mean, it's an absolute... Absolutely incredible place. Uh, five for 20 specials on buckets of beers. They're having an outdoor cafe coming this spring, which is very exciting. And then they have brunch coming soon. And I don't know if you want to know anything about New York City, but brunch is big here. It's a big deal. Brunch is big everywhere. It's the new thing. Do they have brunch upstate? I never knew that. I n- uh, it just never occurred to me. I thought you just yeah. had brunch. Of course. <laughs> I go every weekend. <laughs> Do you really? Of course. I honestly never would have imagined. And I went to school upstate for two years. I never would have imagined that brunch was an upstate thing. I truly thought that was just millennial city people would be like, yeah, Sunday at 11 o'clock, let's have a meal. And let's just not call it breakfast, even though it's all breakfast food. Brunch is a thing. Brunch is a thing. My friend has a list of all the diners and stuff to go to. Diners are the best. Um, but you know what? I've never had brunch in New York City. I guess I got to go and try it out. Hmm. Yeah, you might have to try it out at Rivercrest NYC in Astoria. That's a great plug. Absolutely. All right. This is a rough one for us. I can I, I'm I'm in my sadness hoodie. This is the hoodie I wore last year when the Yankees were eliminated. I wore it for many days. I will wear it for many days again. What are you doing to combat the depression? fighting with Astros fans on Twitter. Yikes. It's not my fault. They just came after me. I can't imagine anybody coming after you. Why would they? Why would they? Because they, listen, I wrote a tweet that apparently people don't read. And I said, if you are an Astros fan that does this, you are trash. However, They decided to skip and they said they basically read it as if you are an Astros fan, you are trash. Mm. So instead of reading, because really the only people that should be upset with that tweet would be Astros fans who do that, which is basically instead of celebrating their team, seek out very sad, depressed Yankees fans and rub it in their face and call them rude things. If you are an Astros fan that does that, you are trash. If you're an Astros fan, whatever. If you're just a plain Astros fan, that's fine by me. But if you're yeah, an Astros congrats. fan. Congrats. Good series. Congratulations. Keep it moving. Right. But apparently people don't know how to read. I mean, I shouldn't have expected anything less. This is this is Twitter after all. It's kind of, you know. I'm, it, there's nothing good about Twitter. Especially this week, I mean, we didn't do this to the twins. We didn't. I don't know if anybody did, but when we absolutely dismantled 
the Minnesota Twins over three games, we didn't like go and and seek out Twins fans if there even are any and be like, ha ha, our team beat yours. Like, right. come on, man. Right. We just came but on listen, the podcast and discussed it really briefly, and then no. But here's I the funny out. thing. The funny thing is that none of these people that you know commented and stuff like that, which by the way, a lot of them are very rude. I have something to say about that later, but you know, regardless. Um. I didn't follow any of them. They didn't follow me. We had nothing in common. However, I have noticed that during the postseason, especially, a lot of people just type in their search bar, their team's name, and they just search for these types of tweets. Like, who has yeah, that they're time? Looking for, they're looking for conflict. Who has that time? Listen. I get paid to do research about the Yankees. I still don't even do that. <laughs> right, exactly. And then I, yeah. So my boyfriend told me to stop. Don't respond. Don't engage. Oh, my cat wants to come in the door. Please hold. It's okay. You don't have to respond and engage, but I'm also, I'm not going to tell anybody listening to this not to engage on your behalf. Yes. I'm not going to, um, I'm not going to say that. If they want to engage on your behalf, I'm not. Who am I to tell them not to? Listen, I'm, I want to apologize. I'm sorry to catch running across the computer screen. Um, oh, it wouldn't be a podcast episode without that. Yeah, I guess not. Um, I'm sorry if it came across the wrong way. However, that wasn't the intention. It basically was to call out Astros fans that quite literally went to my Twitter as soon as the Yankees lost and made sure I knew the Yankees lost and then um, called me a bitch. I so, know last week was the pun episode, but I'm going to drop one on you right now. Please do. It sounds like it sounds like these Houston fans are being Astros fans. <laughs> it's not that great. That's not that Yikes. great. That's bad. Woo. But anyway, listen, I was I was upset, you know, with the whole the whole series, but that's something we're here to talk about today because like I said, free therapy for us. Um and you know, sometimes we just want to talk about our our feelings. So why not share it with the entire world? Well, that's what the podcast is for. Right. And well, really, all I care about is the Yankees. So that's all of my feelings are going into the correct avenue for me to process correct. them. A Yankees right. podcast. Let's go with this. So as everyone clearly knows, the Yankees lost in six games to the Houston Astros. They are not vying for a World Series title this year. This series was the weirdest and most frustrating series I have ever watched. I didn't have very much fun. No. I did and a I'll lot of yelling. Right. And I mean, I'll tell you why. The Yankees, obviously, they couldn't get the timely hits. They couldn't get the hits with runners in scoring position. It was all... There were a lot of things that just happened that I was questioning and I was like, what is going on? But I kind of realized and I actually wrote a piece on this. It's going to be published in the next couple of days. So plug for myself. Um, they basically went away from their uh, their savage team that got them there. I don't think it was intentional. You know, Mike Talkman was hurt. Um, but Luke Voigt wasn't on the roster. Giancarlo Stanton was. Mike Talkman wasn't on the roster because he was injured. However, it did sound like he was getting better. It sounded like um, he was 85%, which is apparently better than what Stanton was. Right. Um, Aaron Hicks was on the roster. You know, these are guys that obviously these are guys you want on your roster. These are they're great guys and they're great players and you want them there. You obviously want them there in the postseason, but they're not the guys that got the Yankees to where they were. Yeah, they weren't. They weren't around for all of these things. Like John Carlos Stanton wasn't. He wasn't playing left field when Brett Gardner was bat banging, and Aaron Hicks was just hanging around, kind of injured here, injured there. He didn't play nearly a full season. He just injuries after injuries. And, you know, he's not there when Aaron Boone says, my guys are savages in the box. You just right. kind of lose the team identity a little bit, even though they're fantastic players. Right. But the whole story this year was Gio Urshela, Mike Tockman, Mike Ford, Clint <laughs> Frazier briefly. He was good. I don't want to. It was very early, but Clint Frazier was pretty good for us when we called up Cameron mm -hmm. Maven coming out of nowhere. 
you just have all these guys who you did not expect to produce the way that they produced. And all of a sudden, you know, you're not really seeing them in the lineup anymore. I don't know. It just this postseason felt very flat to me. Mm -hmm. Energy wise, um, you know, everyone's like, oh, the savages, they're not savages. They didn't act like, you know, they did during the regular season. I don't know. It just didn't feel right to me. And it really sorry, I'm having a hard time putting things into words. <laughs> <laughs> These past couple days, I just can't. I can't. I'm, I don't know. I'm in the same I'm in the same mental spot. I just don't I can't process. I haven't processed how I felt yet. I'm starting to think we should have just given this a few more days before we tried to <laughs> reopen the wound. Like this what is, just, is this 36 hours later? <laughs> this is just going to be a mess. But no, it has to be reopened because the World Series starts tomorrow and once that starts I'm going to be sitting there being like, "Oh, the Yankees should have been there." But listen, the New York Yankees could not get the timely hits. And Maybe the, series... the Nationals will. Who knows? What was that? Maybe the Nationals will. I honestly, who knows? They just they didn't with feel good story. have it. They didn't have it, and they could have beaten the Astros. They, I first honestly at the beginning of the series, I figured the Astros would win anyway. I thought it would take seven games, but I figured with their starting rotation and you know, um, all the hype surrounding that and their offense, which is like first in every category in the regular season. And they didn't do shit. Yeah, you never imagined that it would come down to Houston's bullpen being than ours. They, mm -hmm. they pitched better because our guys were gassed. And you didn't think that the offense for either team was going to be as bad as it was. But if you were going to give a slight advantage to either one, I would give the Yankees the slight advantage on offense. Uh, you have Edwin, who had a great ALDS, all of a sudden you know, fall off the face of the earth going what was it one for 20 in the alcs that's, um, that's yeah. unacceptable for someone who's as a veteran hitter like that i know everybody goes through slumps but this isn't like this isn't edwin's first time in the postseason he knows what it takes to be good pitching in the postseason and he just looked wildly overmatched he wasn't hitting into bad luck he just looked like he was completely lost at the plate i agree um, and looking at the stats for the series, like the Yankees won in almost every category. They out hit the Astros. They um, had 44 hits. The Astros had 36. Their batting average was 214, which is abysmal. But the Astros only hit 179. They out homered the Astros 10 to 8. They had a better overall ERA. Um, I think the Yankees were... 3.13 and then the Astros were 3.44 and the Astros only scored one more run like honestly people are like oh it was a very tight-knit you know great pitching performance yada yada yeah there are some great pitchers out there but at the same time neither offense could hit <laughs> I don't yeah I don't think the pitching really you didn't look at the pitching like even Game five, you looked at James Paxton. He's like, okay, he's having a good game, but he's not. It doesn't look like he's overpowering people because of his talent. It looks like they're just lost at the plate. It doesn't right. look like he's just carving up a, an opposing lineup. He's just, he's pitching to guys who are in slumps. The only two batters out of these two teams that actually showed up were Jose Altuve and DJ LeMahieu. Yeah. I mean, Glaber did. In the yeah, beginning? I'll give it. To, I'll give it to Brantley too. Brantley had a few good hits. I yes. have a. I have a mm -hmm. soft spot for Michael Brantley because he was my number one until we got DJ Lemayhew and kind of filled that contact hitter role. Mm -hmm. Michael Brantley was my number one guy. Where I was like, that's who I want. I want him right now. It was just there were so few batters that actually did anything consistently, and. You know, I I figured Glaber Torres would kind of carry that over through the rest of the series, but he kind of fell off too. Yeah, and I mean, once you realize that no one behind Glaber is going to hit, Glaber's not going to see those pitches. And, not in the least. Yeah, and what I really thought was interesting was, you know, from spring training, Aaron Boone is preaching, my guys are savages in the box, we control the strike zone. And time and time again, we're watching hanging sliders go right down the middle, and Glaber Torres is just taking them, and Brett Gardner is just taking them. And mm -hmm. then they're trying to do too much with pitches that are on the outside parts of the zone 
Like even if you get to that pitch, which is unlikely, you're not going to do anything with it anyway. So you're just hitting into a bad out, even if you can make contact, which we didn't very often. And these pitches that are coming right down the middle, that hanging sliders that are middle, middle fastballs that are up, like you're not, you're not attacking those pitches. You're just letting them go. Uh, What are you letting them go for? You're not going to get a better pitch than a center cut slider. With Garrett Cole and Justin Verlander? (laughs) Hell no. Yeah, absolutely not. You're not going to get that many mistakes. So if you're going to control the strike zone, you have to control the middle of the strike zone too. Hey, listen, maybe you should be an assistant to the manager. Oh boy, assistant to the manager, not assistant manager? No, assistant to the manager. Okay. Yes. It's lesser. (laughs) But I mean, even so, like looking at the series in general... The Astros were, they were 109, they batted 109 with runners in scoring position. They left 45 men on base. Terrible. Like, the Yankees batted 171 with runners in scoring position, which actually kind of shocked me. I was like, wait, what? Um, Left 42 on base in six games. But, like, the Astros just, when they had those two runners on, those three-run home runs were their bread and butter. And we can say whatever we want about the uh, the baseball being changed, which honestly, I do feel like it was changed during this postseason. Oh, it but absolutely was. For whatever reason, the Astros could still hit it out. Don't know I why. Shouldn't say, we shouldn't say they were changed. They're quote unquote pulled from the same batch. I don't believe the, so. Yeah, they're pulled from the same batch as the balls that were definitely not juiced during the regular season, quote unquote. I'm. So. 100% calling bullshit. And you know what game I'm going to refer to? I think it was... Actually, I don't even know what game I'm referring to. Um, <laughs> I, either... I think I know already. The DD game. Um, That one? Yeah. But I actually, I think it was the same game. Um, Brett Gardner misread a ball. Oh, and yeah. he doesn't do that. He ran straight for the wall because he was figuring he was going to have to scale the wall to go get it. Yeah, and he misplayed and it, was, it. It was a good 10 feet away from the wall. Everyone said he lost it in the sun. No. Brett Gardner doesn't lose it in the sun in Yankee Stadium. Brett Gardner. That's literally his spot. He lives in Yankee Stadium. I don't know if you know, but he camps out there every night. It would not shock me at all if he's just sleeping in the in the clubhouse tunnel. He's named every blade back. of grass. Like, he he knows that stadium. He knows left field. There's no way he misread that ball. And that is what I'm going with. And that's what I'm sticking with. I, they, I The numbers support it, though. There was Glaber Torres had a home run that ended up like 370 something feet out. And they did the numbers and they were like, well, based on stat cast from this year with this launch angle and this exit velocity, you would expect that this ball would actually go like 420 feet. So we're talking about 50 feet worth of fly ball. Really? Mm-hmm. And you're going to say that the balls aren't changed? The oh, gust of wind got that one. Yep, they just definitely blew it back 50 feet. Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, you can say this about multiple series too. Like the, it happened to the Nationals a couple times. It's happened to multiple teams. And the, you know, I can watch the home runs and say, yeah, it looks like that could, that would have gone farther in the regular season. But the truth is, I don't watch the Nationals during the regular season, I don't watch the Astros during the regular season. I don't really watch anyone except for whoever the Yankees are playing during the regular season. The Yankees play every day. This is not like basketball or football where it's like your game your game is on once and then that's it. You can just if you're gonna watch the sport, you only have other teams to root for. The Yankees play, they're on when you get home from work, and when it's time to go to bed, the game is ending. And it lasts for four hours, and then guess what? They're back at it tomorrow. I mean, I've just been watching the outfielders um, because, honestly, if you're in the majors and you're playing in the outfield, you know how to play the outfield. You're not dumb. You know how to read a ball for the most part. Mm -hmm. But if they're playing in the playoffs, they should know how to read a ball. Well, some some outfielders know how to read a ball. Some okay, we're not going there. We're not some other ones. (laughs) We're not going there. (laughs) I know exactly where that was going. I'm going to nip it right in the butt. No, this is pro Clint Frazier. I'm not saying we were talking about Clint Frazier, but this is a pro Clint Frazier podcast. Good. Okay. <laughs> Just making sure everyone knows that. But I don't know. I mean, this series ultimately was disappointing, but as I usually do, I like to come up with some positives. What were your positives from this series? 
Oh boy, my positives. It was actually very tough to come up with. Um, this is gonna sound like a really weird positive, but Tommy Canely pitching in Game Six, even though he didn't pitch that well, but it was just watching him. I, he literally gassed himself pitching three days in a row, throwing 98 miles per hour with the power changeup at 90 miles per hour. He had nothing left in the tank to give. And that was just like really impressive to me for Tommy Canely going forward that I'm excited to see him for next year. But mostly yeah. DJ. DJ was fantastic. That two-run homer in game six was nothing short. I mean, I honestly wasn't sure if I would be able to record this podcast today because I thought I had permanently damaged my vocal cords. That was a phenomenal moment and just a true testament to just how... And people say clutch is not a stat. Oh, clutch is. is a stat. Clutch is a stat. And DJ LeMayhew owns it. Absolutely. I was thinking right before he hit the home run too, all series, the only thing Joe Buck would say, and I, I don't like Joe Buck. I'm I'm out on Joe Buck. I'm out on John Smoltz. I'm really out on national, like people who only do big games because they don't know the team. They don't know like the ins and outs of the team. But this that's besides the point. All they would say is everybody says DJ LeMayhew is here to rip your heart out. He's not, he may not look like it. He may not talk like it, but when he's in, standing in that box, he wants to rip your heart out and stomp on it on the pitcher's mound. And it's exactly what he did for like 15 minutes. <laughs> it was a beautiful 15 minutes. <laughs> oh, I was so happy. Uh, yes. I, I had a bad feeling about that Altuve at bat anyway. Uh, yeah, no, I, I watched the first uh, two batters that Chapman faced and he overpowered them with his fastball and then he went away from the fastball. And I said, mm, it doesn't feel good. good. Doesn't feel good. good. So, but yeah, I mean, one of my positives um, is CC Sabathia. Oh, CC. I'm going to get emotional again. I just, I wish he could have, I wish the Yankees could have fought through and won a ring for him. But just the fact that he literally went out on that mound, threw his arm out. Literally everything he had in the tank. Literally. And he's always said, he's like, I'm going to pitch until I can't pitch anymore. And that's exactly what he did. Mm -hmm. And even after he threw out his arm, he was still throwing 91 mile hour pitches. It was like, I still, I want to stay out here. It was Donahue who was like, buddy, you're, you're done, man. You're done. I like, can't, I can't let you throw out here with a dislocated shoulder. So many people were like, oh, that's a terrible way to go out. And I was like, you know what? That's exactly how we wanted to go out. Of course, he'd probably rather go out by, uh, on the you know, winning side. The World Series. Yeah. But if it had to end that way, you know, just the, the grit, the fight that he showed. I mean, I hope some kids learn from that. Obviously not, you know, playing when they're hurt and stuff like that either. But, you know, just being able to get into a situation like that and saying, give me the ball. Let Absolutely. me pitch. Let me do this. And, and that's always been CC. That's always been CC ever since he was a rookie with the Indians. He's like, all right, I'm the guy ever since when he went to Milwaukee says, I'll pitch every three days. So I want to get us to the playoffs. You give me the ball as often as you want to give me the ball. And that was his free agent year. And we talk about it all the time. He was taking a huge, huge risk doing that because he was the best pitcher in the league at that time. And you're talking about losing out on, you know, I don't even remember what his contract was. Hundreds of millions of dollars. Right. And it's just, I mean, that's just the guy that he is. And that's a guy I'm going to, I'm going to miss having him around in the clubhouse. I will be excited to hear him do some more uh, commentary and a lot of, a lot of radio work which I'm very excited for because he's got a great personality as well. But I will be sorry to see him leave the locker room. Me too. Me too. He, uh, you know, there's not many players out there um, anymore quite like him. Um, the things that he did in his career and um, the sacrifices that he made and just from where he came from too. It just, the whole story is phenomenal. And, you know, I, I guess I didn't really realize it until this year, just what an amazing person teammate and leader he is it's good for cc are you crying i should be crying i'm trying to i'm holding it in because we have like plenty of podcasts to go right now and i can't be getting myself emotional about cc 
who has been like, whoo, he has mean he has meant quite a lot to me over the years. Hmm. Oh man. It's just but... like Brett Gardner. Ooh. <sighs> oh, oh no. I just thought of a question I don't want to ask you. Don't ask. Oh me. no. I know exactly what it is. Wait until next week, please. Okay, we'll wait until next week. Okay, good. Um, by the way, speaking of Brett Gardner, I saw a great story in Sports Illustrated about his um about after game six. Um, did you see that? I did. Yeah. Um Brett Gardner giving the home run ball to the the bullpen guy and, you know, giving him his well wishes and really just, you know, saying you guys you guys got a hell of a team and, you know, go win it, go represent us. And, you know, that's not something that you'll see every day. No, he's Without, Brett Gardner's a class act. He just is. Um, no matter how much of a savage he is or no matter how annoying he can be banging his bat, um, you know, that guy is pure, pure class. And I'm not going to cry. I love him for it. Uh, it sounds like you're going to cry. I'm not crying. It's it looks not. like you're going to cry, too. I'm not crying. All right. Well, let's let's also pivot because I, I don't want to keep talking about this series. We, let, we missed a lot of opportunities. It's very sad. <laughs> let's talk about the season as a whole season in review favorite moment of the series of the season favorite moment of the season i have to say i this is also going to be like my favorite game that game that they played in minnesota was the most phenomenal game i've been able to witness the one where aaron hicks uh saved the game with the diving catch yes. Yes. That was a great game. I watch those highlights like on repeat constantly. Just like anytime I'm in a bad mood, I just I turn it on just because like it just goes to show just how amazing the team is in general. Like having so many people down and out with injuries facing the twins and they went down really early and they were like, yep, who cares? Let's go get it. Yeah. And people forget Aaron Hicks is the one who hit the big home run in that game, too. Uh-huh. Yep. That all together was just such a testament to the team and the entire season. That never give up, never say die attitude, regardless of all the odds stacked against them. I mean, anytime you're playing in Minnesota, that's a tough ballpark to play in. Minnesota, during the regular season, was a tough team. Um, and they consistently was just back and forth and back and forth. And you figured at some point the Yankees would just, just give up, just kind of, you know, okay, we'll take this one. We'll come back tomorrow. No, never do. And Aaron Hicks's diving catch was just like, it has to be the catch of the year. I think it was, I can't remember it being unseated, but then again, I don't watch as much MLB network as I used to. There was a catch um, that I think an Orioles player made in Fenway Park to like rob a home run. And people are like, oh, that's the catch of the year. I'm like, but it's not. If yeah, you well, at- I remember that. It wasn't that impressive. It was. A, I think it was a great catch. But like putting together Aaron Hicks, the athletic ability, the situation, mm-hmm. the two outs, like what he did was incredible. He misses that. The game is over. Yeah, he literally threw his body on the line and he made that catch and he saved the game for the Yankees. And it was oh, so beautiful. <laughs> I'm not crying. I'm not crying. Um, You're fighting my, it back, though. I can tell. My other favorite moment this year was uh, the resurgence of Chad Green. Oh, that was great. After he got sent down early. Yes. I honestly, I was starting to believe that that Chad Green was done, done. Mm hmm. Uh, I was getting real scared. Were. Yeah. I didn't want to believe of... it, but. Well, he wasn't. He just had to go back down to the minors, you know, fix a few few little flaws. And he really wasn't down there long. I think he only no. pitched twice down there. He came right back up and he was incredible all year. It's a mm-hmm. shame that the two, the two deciding games against the Astros really came down to three run homers off Chad Green. because He, he didn't deserve that the way he pitched this year. He was right. absolutely fantastic, and he was – I mean, you saw his fastball dipping down to like 94, 95 in the ALCS. He was gassed. He was tired, as the entire bullpen was. And, yeah. you know, you got him coming out in three straight games, 
That's not something he does in the regular season. Absolutely. He doesn't even come out in two straight, really. Right. Especially last year, it was like it was a Chad Green rule. Like you can have two innings of him one day, and then he has two days off, no matter what. Yeah. So, I mean, I, honestly, that was really my only uh, complaint about Aaron Boone's managing is the fact that he prepared for the postseason by giving his guys as much rest as possible, not pitching them in multiple days. Um, you know, if they pitch two days in a row, they get two days off kind of with that strategy. And then he completely deviated it from it because the Yankees didn't really have any starters that could give length. Yep. And, and that's, we'll, we'll do a whole off season preview goals, whatever thing, uh, next week, but that's going to be something that will definitely be addressed. Not that our starting pitching can't get the job done. It's just that we don't have a guy that you can rely on every single you know, five days out. This guy's getting you seven innings no matter what. Right. We don't have that guy. Right. Luis Severino is close, but even then we've seen him you know, explode and have high pitch counts in the fifth inning. We just can't tax the bullpen like that again. Right. I mean, and it's such a good bullpen. It just needs to be... I don't know. I mean, there that was that was the problem. Their starting pitching got the job done, but they only got it done for four innings or five innings sometimes, sometimes three. Yeah. And then and at that just, point, you can't survive like that. Yeah, exactly. Not for not for 162 games and then, you know, another 20. Hey, guess who also looked pretty good out of the bullpen? Who? You know who it is. Just say it. Luis Sessa. Yes, you did. I actually I tried to give you props on Twitter for that. I know you've I been saw. saying it all year. It's just when you put Luis Sessa in a pressure situation, he gets going. Exactly. You know what? He's a diamond in the rough. When you put uh, pressure on him, wait. When you coal, right? When you put pressure on coal, coal it turns yeah. into diamonds. Yep. He is a lump of coal every other time. Yikes. But when you put pressure on him. He is the most beautiful diamond that I want in my future engagement ring. <laughs> he truly, he truly was fantastic, and I even had people text me like, "Yo, like, is Luis Sessa good?" <laughs> like people who don't really watch like as religiously, and they've heard me complaining about Luis Sessa before. Like honestly, like this guy, we have a three-run lead. We bring this guy into the game, and it's over. You might as well just pack it in right now. The other team already won, but I don't know. Put Luis Sessa in a tie game. <laughs> You're looking pretty good. I can't wait to tell people that I'm right. Saying you're right is the best thing in the entire world. And I was, I I had a brief moment of it, very brief, obviously, uh, when people were starting to pack it up for before DJ LeMay, who's two run homer, people were Mm -hmm. packing it in. And I was like, listen, I know the odds are unlikely, but. I mean, what are you going to do? You're just going to give up on the team because you want to be ahead of the curve on Twitter? Like, no, I'm going to root for the miraculous miracle. <laughs> just, I'm going to stick it out until the very, very last possible second. And I did, and I got my heart ripped out. But for that, like, 15 minutes after DJ hit that home run, I had people coming to my mentions being like, you were right. I am so sorry. Yup. <laughs> you goddamn right. I was right. I was, uh, so I'll also talk more about this later, but, um, we had just gotten out of a wedding and we went back to the hotel room. So everyone was going to the casino and I was like, ah, I got to drop my stuff off at the hotel room. Oh yeah. Okay. We all know what you do. Get there. First thing we do is, you know, turn on the game. I'm, I'm taking bobby pins out of my hair because I was in the wedding. I was a bridesmaid Mm -hmm. and um, I know you you probably aren't familiar with this, but they put bobby pins in girls' hairs. And uh, it they put a lot in there. Okay? Uh-huh. So slowly but surely, I'm pulling it out, and I'm trying to, like, play this off for, like, as long as possible because I want to watch the end of the game before we go to the casino. Obviously. Because you and... have to get your stuff and settle in. <laughs> As I pulled out my 53rd bobby pin, which was all of them. 53? What? Yeah. Yeah. 53 bobby pins. Ladies, if you've ever been in a wedding, you know what I'm talking about. And there's probably one more hidden or like stabbed in my brain or something. I'm not really sure. 
but 53 bobby pins. So as I pulled out number 53, DJ LeMahieu hits a fly ball. And I'm like, I couldn't really see it well off the bat because I was literally lying on the couch. It didn't look too good off the bat. Right. So I was kind of like, uh. And then my boyfriend, like, stands up and walks closer to the TV. And he's like, he just goes silent. And I was like, oh, you're in the way. What happened? And I see George Springer sitting on the ground looking real sad. And I was like, here come the tears. And I just bawled. (laughs) Bawled. Naturally. Naturally. Oh, Oh my God. I just bawled. I was like, are you freaking kidding me? Just crying. And he's like, you you got to stop crying. It's you know, there's still some game left and I'm like <laughs> <laughs> And uh yup. So then I was like, oh, I'm too tired to go to the casino. So <laughs> So he was like, well, I want to go to the casino. So. And I said, go for it. Go for it. Please go to the casino. So we did. And I sat there and I was numb. Like, I just, I didn't cry. I didn't throw things. I didn't yell. I literally just felt numb. Yeah. I just, I think I might have sat in front of my television for a solid 10 minutes. Just not even looking at it. I wasn't watching it. I was just, like, staring at the, right underneath the television blankly. Just listening to the Astros celebrate. And it was, that was not a very, whew, that was not a good moment for me. I liked it better when DJ was tying the game. That was a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. That was a beautiful, beautiful moment. But I guess it just wasn't meant to be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, congrats to the Astros. You know, I wish them luck in the series. I don't really know who I'm rooting for, but... Um, oh, the Nationals. Yeah. Fuck the Astros. I mean, honestly, like, you know, I, I love... Uh, I'm like one of those people that if a team beats me, I want them to win the World Series. But at the same time... I didn't like the way some of their players handled the media, the way they talked to the media. Carlos um, Correa. Carlos Correa. Robinson Chirinos, who, I'm sorry, who? Who, who? is he? Who? Yeah. You know, and even the way A.J. Hinch talked. Chirinos didn't even play in game six. Yeah. Wasn't it Maldonado? Well, yes, it was. Yeah. Um, um. But like A.J. Hinch, you know, with the way he talks about Aaron Hicks's home run. And I'm like, dude, you lost. <laughs> my god just accept it like you listen to aaron boone after the yankees lose and he's like yeah we blew it yeah have some have some class so you gotta win with class too you can't win you know that's how we treated twins we won and we didn't say oh what happened to the bomba squad like come on right we're just like all right we're on to the next one the only person i saw that said anything was cameron mabin and then he apologized because he didn't mean it to come across that way. Yeah, but it was a it was a very objectively funny thing that he said. Right. That was super relevant. So, do you want to hear about my shenanigans at the wedding and Absolutely. Um, my viewership? Yeah. You did you did tell me a little bit about this already, <laughs> so I'm really excited for the rest so, of the world to hear. So, okay. So, first of all, Friday night had my rehearsal dinner. Not mine, I'm sorry. My friend's rehearsal dinner. Um Big one difference. of the I was not planning on watching the game, but I'm um, we're at this uh, this restaurant and we were kind of doing like a little run through of what we're supposed to do at the wedding. And I'm standing there and one of my friends is kind of like around the other side of the bar and he's like, Psst. and I'm like, what? and he goes, it's one nothing Astros. And I was like, the game just started. Like, what's going on? Didn't have my phone on me. Um, this was for what was it? Game five. Game five. And then. <laughs> Two oh, that later, game five. It was fantastic. Yeah. And then two minutes later, he goes, hey. And I, was, I go, what? And he goes, it's tied. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, yeah, let's go. So I secretly watched it during the rehearsal dinner as well. Actually, I watched it on the ESPN app. So it just kind of kept uploading and updating. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to watch it because I was afraid that I would jinx it. Okay, fair. So I went over to one of the other tables just to like mingle and stuff like that. And one of my friends over there turns his phone around. He's like, look, I got the game. And I was like, don't show me that. I don't want to watch that. I am equally as superstitious. When I was at the game, we got there a little bit late because my buddy, I don't know what he was thinking. He thought the game started at 8.08 and I got out of work at 4.30 and I was texting him like, bro, we're going to be late. Come on, man. 
And by the time we got there, it was the bottom of the first inning. We were still standing in the concourse and DJ homers. So obviously I'm super superstitious. So I'm yes. just, I'm staying, I'm staying here. And he went down to the seat and I was like, I'm staying here until the innings over, obviously. And I did. And we scored four runs and one, but continue. <laughs> so listen to the rest on the radio on the way home that night. Game six is where I, um, my fandom just was either super dedicated or super, um, embarrassing. I don't really know. I, th- I think they're the same. So wedding ceremony was at five. So we did that. And then the cocktail hour started at like, mm, 530, 530 to 7. So 7 o'clock rolls around. I'm like, hmm, game time. And I have my phone with me. I'm at the head table, um, you know, with all the other bridesmaids. And I'm kind of like, well, I don't want to be rude and I don't want to turn it on. So I'm just going to let my phone here. When it lights up, I'll look at it, you know, because I have a lot of people on um, sending me notifications when like Brian Hoke tweets and, uh-huh. you know, stuff like that. So I'm like, okay, when it lights up, I'll look at it. So I, of course, started uh, the whole dancing process. No one was on the dance floor, so I started dancing. Oh, are you um, that person? I, of course I did. So I did. And, you know, people were coming out and yada, yada. And I, like, go over to my phone and I look at it. And it says, uh, uh, Guriel hits a three-run home run. Yeah. And I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? And I'm like, well, this could be the last Yankee game I can watch this season. I got to turn it on. So I turned it on, and uh, the first one scored. I don't remember how it happened. No reason why I didn't remember how it happened, but I just don't remember how it happened, if you know what I'm saying. Uh-huh. Um, so anyway, the, a slow song came on, so my boyfriend's like, oh, let's dance. And I was like, sure. So bring my phone over, <laughs> and I'm streaming it on YouTube TV, and um, I just, you know, put my arm like, or one of my arms around his neck, the other one's resting on his shoulder with the phone. <laughs> oh my god! So I'm watching it, and we're like slow dancing. And apparently, he told me yesterday he knew the whole time that's what I was doing. Okay, um, yeah. And then he was like, "Okay, what's the score?" And I was like, ah, "It's three one." <laughs> like you know, not really sure. And he goes, "All right, you can't have that at all wedding." And I'm like, "But this is so important. Like, I just I need to have it nearby." He said, "Okay, fine." So he puts it on the table. Um, So it's like on the head table right near us. So we can kind of like check back and forth, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. So Gio hits his home run. We just go berserk. Like we start like high-fiving, jumping up and down. And everyone's like, yeah, because they think we're dancing. And I'm like, yeah, (laughs) we are. Uh, (laughs) We're so happy for love. (laughs) Yay, love. Um, No, it was a great wedding. I mean, in general. But yeah, we Pretty bold of your friend to have an October wedding knowing that you were going to be there. Honestly, I did talk to my boyfriend and I was like, listen, um, whoever I get married to, whether it's you, uh, whether it's someone else, I'm not really sure. But when I have my wedding, I'm making sure it's in October so that when the Yankees play, I can put it up on a big screen and ah. uh, just have it there for everyone to enjoy. Because so you're on the opposite way with it. You're just like, I'm going to let the Yankees take over the entire wedding. I'm embracing it. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. They're my family, too, you know. Oh, naturally, they have to be there. Um. But then there was another slow song later on. And um, so we were dancing and I noticed my boyfriend, like we were dancing, but we were just moving back and forth. We weren't moving in a circle. And I was like, why aren't we moving in a circle? He's like, oh, it's fine. And I was like, you're watching the game, aren't you? <laughs> so he's watching it from the um, it's on the table and he's watching it over my shoulder. And I was like, let me see. And so I like tried to turn around and he's like, no, you can't like, it's my turn. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> ah. and then of course, as, um, as this, the music picked up, we were kind of dancing around. I had my pop socket on my phone. Great investment for when you're watching a game in a do or die, uh, do or die game at a wedding. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it was great until it wasn't. I mean, that's that's just ridiculous. And that's my boyfriend took ridiculous a story. It makes so much sense. But my boyfriend took a video um, later on in the night. We took a break from dancing. We we're sitting at the table, and I was just like watching the game. And a slow song comes on, and he goes, "Elson, do you want to go out and dance?" And I was like, "Are are you kidding me? Like." Look at this. There's runners on first and second. No. <laughs> so, Did you tweet that video? 
No, because he took it with Snapchat, and then he didn't oh, save it. Oh man! I was gonna say I have to. I have to see that video. I texted him this morning, and I was, I was like, "Just the look of anger in your video? face." He's yeah, like, the look of anger in your face when he's like, "Oh, why don't we go dance?" It's first and second, no one out. <laughs> we can't do it. <laughs> so I'm not sure if that makes me a psychopath or if it makes me a dedicated fan, but I did it. Maybe a little bit of both. Yeah, well, it's fine. I had a great time at the wedding. Not so great after with the game, but you know what? It is. We can't win every year. And that's another thing that we will discuss at length during off-season Twitter. I'm not ready for off-season Twitter. The things that I have already seen have so drastically reduced my faith in humanity. It is, it is staggering. It's amazing how many people turned on Brett Gardner real quick when he struggled during the postseason. Yeah, it's, it's not like he was one of the most important players of the entire year. This year would not have happened without Brett Gardner. I'm so glad that someone has um, finally seen my point of view. Mm-hmm. Known power hitter, Brett Gardner. Well, actually, I don't know. If they unjuice the balls, is he still going to hit home runs? Oh, of course. Mm-hmm. Is he the a known three hit? years, he's hit over 20 home runs. Was that right about when the ball juicing accusation started? I'm not, saying, no. I'm not saying. I'm not saying. Nope, stop. I'm just, what are you doing? This I'm just right. saying the timing kind of, it lines up a little interestingly don't you think no no okay i'm not interested oh not interested okay but you know what even if he's not a known power hitter with the unjuiced baseballs he still can chop a single down the third baseline so let's go absolutely those home runs are just going to turn into doubles in the gap i'm okay with it then you got a speedy guy on second base and really he's gonna score on a base hit yeah the Yankees were the best team in the major leagues with runners in score, scoring position this year, you know, except and when it really mattered. But yeah, overall, very good. So listen, I know that we we talked about this over text, too. I need to go on a little rant again. More rants. Rant. Why am I sharing my screen? I didn't mean to do that. Uh Oh, don't look. I don't want to share that with you. I don't see anything but you. Thank you. <laughs> the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me. <laughs> yeah, it's really nice, but also I meant it completely literally. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I just like to make things awkward. So oh. here we go. I'm, I'm aware. <laughs> so I'm going to go back to Yankees fans. I don't agree um, with a lot of the behaviors that were uh, put on Twitter slash in the news that we saw from Yankees fans. Um, yes, I fully support this rant. Yeah. Uh, basically, on Twitter, I've also had very, very intelligent conversations with some Astro fans. Some, you know, real fans that understand the game of baseball don't just see it as the Houston Astros are the only team. Um, very, very intelligent conversations and great mm. ones. You know, I've met, I've met some great people so far. But, As you all know, I probably um, recently had some very interesting interactions with Astros fans, too. But I just kind of want to say the bottom line is fans are the worst a lot of times. Um, There are there are definitely a lot of bad apples in a lot of fan bases. And I'm very aware that not all fans are like that. But some people don't seem to realize that. Nope. So, you know, I've been getting the comments of all you guys, you got what you deserve, you know, yada, yada. And I'm like, me, first of all, if I did anything that, you know, these fans did that got in in the news, throwing beer cans at people in the bathrooms. I would hope I'd be arrested. I said, first of all, my mom would kill me. Mm -hmm. Second of all, I can't even boo Sonny Gray. Yeah, I've never booed anybody before. So therefore. Only against booing. How could I do that? I don't condone any behavior that's been reported, especially, especially, and this really, really makes me mad. The whole thing with Zach Greinke. I oh, have, it took it too far. Took it too absolutely far. Absolutely no place in sports in anywhere to taunt someone about anxiety and mental health issues. That is not okay. They, I mean, I, they take it, people just don't know how far to take it. They think, oh, Donald, his real name is Donald. Also, let's say this really fucked up shit, too. 
Donald, fine. Uber, fine. Because it's not with malicious intent. But the second you attack someone for an issue that's an ongoing issue, something that I'm sure he struggled with for a very, very long time, and it's, I just don't understand how people can do that. And I want people to know that not everyone is like that. The people who are like that are complete assholes. I, I just can't believe someone did that. I mean, I, I got nothing. No, people were doing it again when uh, the trade deadline came around. And they were like, why don't we go get Zach Greinke? And I said, well, it's because he has social anxiety, like really severe social anxiety. He wouldn't function well in New York. He knows that. So he has no New York on his no trade list. And instead of being like, OK, that makes sense. You know, like most rational people like you and me who just accepted that we're not going to get Zach Greinke because he's not going to be a good fit in New York. They say, oh, well, he's just a bitch. He's just he's just a pussy. He's too scared to face the media in New York. Like, I don't think you really understand exactly what's going on in his head when he has to answer questions. God forbid he has a bad day in his first game. The only thing he's going to see for the entire week until his next start is people calling him the meanest things that they can think of in the book and wishing that he was dead, literally. I mean, Yankee, Yankee fans are the worst. There's so many of us good ones, and then there's there's the vast majority who don't actually watch the games, but they turn up for the Bronx Zoo of the postseason, and right. they do all this stupid shit like throw beer at other fans that are just trying to go to the bathroom, and they call they say some really shitty stuff to Zach Granke when he's trying trying to get rid of he's trying to get ready for a game, and he had a good game that day. Mm-hmm. He did. He looked good. I mean, like it's just. The fan behavior, I'm I'm embarrassed, frankly. You know, like, I, these are, it seems like that type of behavior is for the people that just want to go there, get drunk, and, you know, just, it, it really makes me I angry. I know, I know. It really makes me angry. I mean, we are not, we are not Blue Jays fans. Do you remember that game, the wild card game, when they were throwing beer at the players? Yeah. Yep. We're not them. No. Just. Be better. Be better people. I mean, They're this is shocking. You don't have to you don't have to say mean things to the other team to have a good time at the game. No, shockingly. And people are going to be like, oh, well, it's the Bronx Zoo. That's what we're supposed to do. Not no, that. no. The Bronx Zoo basically is created because they want the fans to freaking love on their team so hard and just be there for every, follow every single pitch, cheer for every single hit, cheer for everything that your team does. Just like I put in my tweet, celebrate your own successes. Do not celebrate other people's failures. Yeah, there's no point in that. And it's, it always comes back to people just don't look at ballplayers like actual human beings. And it, that makes me madder than anything about baseball fans. When they look at it, they're like, well, this guy had these numbers here, so you should have this number here. Right? But that's not, how do you know? How do you, how do you know his life situation? Yeah. I mean, look at Sonny Gray. He was not, everybody in Oakland on the beat, when they said, when they heard that Sonny Gray was getting traded to the Yankees, every single one of the beat reporters was like, Jesus, that's not going to work out. Because they knew, because they were with Sonny Gray, the person not the pitching statistic every single day. Mm-hmm. And they saw Sonny Gray say, oh, well, Sonny got traded to the Yankees with their media coverage and their harsh fans. Like, this isn't going to fly. Right. Yeah, I'm very disappointed in the way that um, fans were represented this postseason. And I'm probably more disappointed in the fact that um, because of those fans, they make other people believe that the rest of the fans are the same exact way. Absolutely. And we're I make it a point to be nothing but positive about the Yankees because I don't I don't believe that, you know, getting negative about my team, especially before the season's even over, is what is that going to accomplish? What are you accomplishing there that at the end of the day, it's just baseball. We love these guys, but it's just baseball. Your life will go on. You'll go to I went to work today. The Yankees lost this weekend. This morning I went to work. Life goes on next spring. They're going to come back in February. Pitchers and catchers are going to report. It's only in 16 weeks. I just not soon enough. I'm not. 
It's no, off-season I, Twitter is feels like a million years. I started my off-season uh, baseball thread way too early and um, not happy about it, but I, I started it early. Yeah, you got a lot of stuff to come up with. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I want one every so... every day this year. Last year, you said you skipped a few days. I want I one every day days. this year. I tried to make up for them as best I could, but the problem was, like, some days it just, you know, I just could like forgot. And, you know, the hard thing is, like, I for the next couple days, I really kind of want to take a break from Twitter because... Um, I think that's it, smart. Honestly, people have made me cry. Um, you know, just... I just don't understand um, how people can just be so rude behind a keyboard. So for me, I kind of want to take a break. I'll probably go on just to do those daily, you know, and then cut out for the rest just of the shut day. Shut it off. Just, yeah. yeah, just shut it off because shut out um, the environment's a little too toxic right now. And I don't feel like it's worth sacrificing my mental health to, um, you know, make other people see something that they refuse to see. Totally fair. Yeah, I see? might take a few days off Twitter myself, too. Let's all take a few days off Twitter. See what oh, happens. That would be amazing. Oh, my God. I love it. That would be so fantastic. Yeah. I'm just, um, I'm a little sick of the cyberbullying. I've also never, um, I've never used the block button before. It's I a beautiful, never have either. It's a great tool. I've reported a few people. Ah! Feels You're so becoming powerful. a Twitter warrior. You know, there is uh, on the report message, there is a um, they ask you, you know, what are you reporting? There is targeted harassment. So there you go. Click, click, click. You just let me know if me and our favorite follower and friend and listener, Caroline, have to beat anybody up on Twitter with oh, our Caroline, words, with yeah. our words, obviously, because you can't oh. beat people up on Twitter. It's the Internet. But we'll do it with our words. You know what? At this point. All of them have uh, less than 100 followers. So, yeah, good luck with that. Uh, they also fake uh, profile pictures of a random player from the Astros. Yes. And, in fact, the so new weird. thing about Astros Twitter is um, a lot of them are doing, like, the the H, um, H logo. And then they're, like, Photoshopping their face in the corner. It's very strange. Um, That's pretty weird. Black and white Twitter was better. Yeah, actually, I got to change back to color now that I think about it. So I'll have I just to changed that. mine entirely today. I was like, you know what? New new season, new profile picture. But um, I am going to reach out tonight and just say, you know, I would what I do every year at the World Series because the Yankees haven't been in it. I do like to have um, get ideas on who to follow for, um, you know, Nationals fans and Astros fans, the good ones, you know, because I do like to see kind of. It's about connecting with other people and, you know, it's about basically watch it. I'm going to watch the games like of duh, course, it's baseball. Yeah. I'm going to watch it. This is the last um, baseball we have for weeks. Exactly. Actually, one of the Astros fans today, um, after apologizing for everyone else's behavior, I was like, oh, thank you. It was very um, nice. I appreciate that. Um, he said that uh, he's like, I was like, so what do you think about the series? What are you looking forward to? You know, and he's like, well, I think the Astros are going to win. I was like, well, you know, the Nationals have a really good rotation. Um, and he basically he goes, yeah, um, I, I just want them to sweep. And I was like, how dare you? No, we seven want games. seven games. Seven games. We need all the baseball games. I was like, yeah, I don't I'm, care if it's not my team anymore. I just want baseball. And yeah, he's I'm like, gonna, I'm going to be watching the Dominican Winter League at some point this winter. Like, that's not a joke. I will be finding a league to watch. I know that I know the Dominican League plays. I know there's no World Baseball Classic this year, right? That's I don't think this so. Year? No. Yeah, so I gotta find I gotta find something to watch. Rob and I, when when the season first started, uh, we were tossing around the idea of trying to invest in Korean baseball because uh, <laughs> we saw a lot of there was one guy who who throws a pitch that like his fingernails might scrape the dirt, like that's how low he comes up when he throws it. I'm like that's like so sick. I need to see that. Like I need to see if that works. You see my cat? <laughs> that's awesome. Hi, baby. He it's wants so to get in on the podcast. Oh, boy. <laughs> Screen grab. <laughs> All right. So we'll end it there. Uh, next week, I guess we're just going to be talking about the stupid Astros and the hopefully World Series champion Nationals. But Yeah. Next week, I really would um, hopefully be in a better mood 
um, be able to articulate my thoughts a little bit better. Um, when I get angry, my I speak like Shakespeare. It's ridiculous. Um, just, just like using high quality just words. So very poetic. Yeah, very exactly. poetic, angry speaker. Exactly. So, hey, better that than, uh, you know, some of the people that just don't know how to use grammar on Twitter. So. Uh, <laughs> all right. See you next week. Go Nats. <sighs> okay. <laughs>